The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. Expanding the wall around advanced tech uh, risks further antagonizing China, forcing other countries to pick sides. We're told the new ideas have been shared with U.S. allies. But let's get uh, Sean DeBose's uh, take on this. He's here at Horizon Asia and get his outlook for the markets while we're at it. With the, the chip ban on the table, this as well, Sean, I mean, is this essentially just doubling down on the conflict with Beijing? Good morning, Rish. I think the two things we have to think about when we talk about what's going on in tech right now is what is the objective of the White House and what is the likely response of Beijing? Are the policies of the White House trying to stop Beijing from having access to military and intelligence technology? Or is this just an effort to try to hold them back from their development as an economic power, the second lar largest in uh, the world? I would say that this is about military and intelligence. And the reason that they're going after these chips that you just mentioned, I would call them leading edge processing and memory chips, is because those chips allow you to run very advanced artificial intelligence and in turn uh, data centers and it's all about collecting the data. And that is why it's become very challenging right now to pick semiconductor stocks and stocks that feed into the food chain in Asia that have to do this area because we just don't know what the next regulation is going to be. It is a it's a real, uh, I would say, an issue of confidence right now for equity investors. And we are continuing to focus on both the policy lines. Now, now, just the word semiconductor, Sean, <laughs> It's far bigger than that, because it, than that implies, because it's um, drawn on the premise that any advanced chip can be used by China's military. Now, the point being here, all chips are of some dual use, which means that essentially the U.S. is now committed to blocking China from essentially all kinds of civilian technologies now too. So, what is what, it explicit now? This uh, uh, trying to contain China. So. What, what the policies are saying is that you're not a able to access advanced chips. And in fact, we've observed that uh, publicly listed companies, both in the U.S. and Asia, are telling us that their uh, mainstream chips are still able to be sold in without restrictions or re requirements for, uh, for permits. And the reason for that is that if you use mainstream chips to run advanced technologies such as artificial intelligence or, or, or military intelligence, it goes at a much slower speed and it doesn't allow you to be capable 
capable of keeping up with what the Western allies are able to do in terms of their uh, military intelligence and tracking and such. So, Sean, Doug in New York here. Let's take a step back. What does this mean for the macro and and the ambition to kind of become a little bit more innovative on the tech side, away from from the military stuff? So, Doug, I think it's going to uh, cause two things. The first thing it's going to cause, it's going to cause a huge push in China on innovation. And we've seen from the recent announcements uh, out of the National People's Congress, as well as the loan numbers coming out of the top banks, that a lot of money is being put into technology and innovation in China. In general, that's a really good thing for the economy, but we would have to assume that some of that is being duplicated between innovation technology research that's being done within China and outside of China. The second issue is what this means for companies that are multinational companies who have facilities in China. Today, the largest semiconductor or memory chip companies have large facilities within China, and they have, are able to, been able to get permits from Washington to allow them to continue to do their work in China mm -hmm. so long as they comply to that. We think that that's going to be in question. Um, tell me something, Sean. I mean, we've seen what's happened here in the Hang Seng uh, in Hong Kong and how it's just at 13-year lows. Now, this may be a buying opportunity given valuations, but then again, nobody wants to really load themselves up with uh, China-related assets to some extent. Uh, what are you looking at? The key thing we're looking at is what's going to happen on Sunday with the leadership appointment. We need to know who is going to be in that all-important cabinet of seven. And that will tell us if the new government is going to be uh, moving towards uh, economic focus or social focus. The market has right now priced in a reasonably uh, muted outlook for the next five years, meaning that we are not going to see a big focus on the economy, and we're going to be focusing instead on the social need of common prosperity. Two things can happen next week. Number one is we could find a cabinet that is full with much more of uh, social-aligned, sea-aligned uh, politicians who would then, I would say, uh, that would be a concern for the market. I would say there is a small chance that we could see a cabinet that is much uh, more aligned with the economy and, and, and world trade, and that would uh, certainly be a positive. The winner out of this could, in fact, be the Indian equity market because we've definitely seen that as negative news comes to China, flows go into India. India right now is trading at reasonably uh, modest uh, valuation. On an absolute basis, 18.7 forward times P.E. right now is something we're generally comfortable with in normal times. But given the huge pullback that we've seen across the region, that seems rather rich. And I wonder whether or not that negative flow could be exacerbated by building geopolitical risk. I mean, you just had to listen to President Xi's speech the other night at the beginning of the party congress. Tony Blinken, U.S. Secretary of State, kind of picked up on what I think is very obvious here in listening to the speech. China has made a decision to seize Taiwan on a much faster timeline. So when you get that kind of building of geopolitical risk, what do you do? How do you trade it? Well, 
the market's already telling us that. Look at the valuation right now of Taiwanese equities, and you can see that there's a healthy dose of skepticism. The bulk of the market cap of Taiwan is built around semiconductor and hardware-related stocks. Those stocks tend to price in a recovery much sooner than other cyclical stocks. But we're not seeing that rebound come back. We're, the market is looking forward at this, uh, you know, a coming uh, recession of some sort, which is what the inverted curve is telling us, and that normally would we would see the semiconductor stocks to start picking up. They would bottom and start reversing because they're early cycle. But we're unfortunately not seeing that. I think what's happening in Taiwan, and particularly the largest semiconductor and hardware-related companies, is they're moving from becoming global leaders headquartered in Taiwan to global companies that were founded in Taiwan. And we can see that with the large foundries as well as the very important hardware and, and, and phone-related companies that are building plants and, build, and, and companies around the world. That is an incredible geopolitical hedge that they're putting on to the operations of their company. That gives confidence to equity investors. Yeah, Brian just pointing out to me that uh, we've got the TIEX down some 38% year-to-date. Again, it's like the Hong Kong market. Is it, Does this make a screaming buy or, or is it just cheap for a reason, isn't it? That's the point. But where else are you looking at opportunities and which, in, uh, which industry groups across this part of the world? So uh, we have to look for some good news. Uh, two places that I'm looking right now, Indonesia, which is really an interesting market that's trading at reasonably fair prices. And we're very much focused there on the middle class consumption and really basic consumption. Build your first house, buy your first two-wheeler, buy more premium and more healthy food. And the second, which I find quite exciting and I think is reasonably priced, is Thailand. There's two key themes that we're looking at in Thailand. The first is tourism and the second is healthcare. If you are a Middle Eastern or Asian resident and you want to get world-class care at an affordable price and then uh, to recover in a reasonably cover, uh, comfortable space, you go to Thailand right now. And those securities are, are really something that's attractive to us. We think this is a very important secular change. And the second is open up Tha Thailand. It's already been Asians there. We think Europeans are coming. And sometime in next year, we believe Chinese tourists are going to Thailand. Oh, but Sean, we could talk for ages about that. Sean DeVoe there from Horizon, uh, just taking his, uh, uh, getting his take on what's going on with Asian equity markets. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.